Welcome to Advancing All Women with Sarah Alter, President and CEO of Network of Executive Women. On this show, you'll hear top executives and experts talk the most pressing topics for women in the workplace. From advancing women of color, to developing and engaging male allies, to how to navigate the new workplace post-COVID-19. Sarah will cover it all as she and her guests dig into these key issues. Now, here's your host, Sarah Alter. As lesbians, my wife and I fought the war of our lives for our love. Pride is everything to us, and every single day we try to show the world that love wins. And for those who can't seem to understand, well, we love them harder. Pride means to me being unapologetically yourself. Pride to me is the celebration of authenticity and the freedom to be my true self without any discrimination. We recognize and honor all the brave pioneers who have fought for this freedom, and we stand together as a community to continue the fight for equality. Pride Month means accepting and loving, not just tolerating. So the voices and hearts of these incredible individuals who who you've, you've just heard are proud members of the LGBTQIA plus community, and it clearly sets the stage for our discussion today. I'm Sarah Alter, and I'm the president and CEO of NEW and the host of our show, Advancing All Women in the Workplace. And I think you may all know it, but it is Pride Month. And as leaders, we should be reflecting on all that we can do to educate ourselves and how we can better support, celebrate, and advance the members of our team who bring this unique and diverse set of experiences and perspectives to their role in company. Not just this month, but every day, every week, every month of the year. I am so honored to be joined by three phenomenal leaders who make this their very mission, and I know they are going to guide and inspire you to do so as well. I am joined by Alfonso David, President of the Human Rights Campaign, Nicola Johnson, Principal, Global Lead Client Service Partner at Deloitte, and Ash Ganapathiraju. Brand Manager, Nestle Coffee Partners, Emerging Brands. Welcome to you all. Thank you. Morning. Good morning. morning. All right. So, Alfonso, you are our resident expert. I, I would love to kick this conversation off with you with a bit of education. You know, as, as we all know, when it comes to making sure that diversity, equity, and inclusion happens, you know, it's fundamental that you self educate and would 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 love to have you explain and and it was um it was enlightening for me like as i've been educating in the spirit of the month i've i've been learning more but gender identity versus gender expression versus sexual orientation what should that mean to all of us well first sarah thank you thank you so much for having me the 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 com the references that you just made are very three the three distinct uh, concepts sexual orientation gender identity and gender expression are very very different let's start with sexual orientation sexual orientation is an inherent or immutable attraction to other people 
So it's in essence who I am deeply attracted to. It's an immutable characteristic of my being. I'm attracted to someone else. That is my orientation. And this attraction is inherently emotional, romantic, and sexual in some cases. In some cases, it may not be sexual, but your sexual orientation really gets to the core of who you find attractive as a person. Second, gender identity is someone's sort of innermost concept of themselves as male, female, a blend of both or neither. Gender identity is essentially how individuals perceive themselves and what they call themselves. So one's gender identity can be the same or different from their sex assigned at birth. Um, So you could have someone have their sex assigned at birth as being male, Mm -hmm. but their gender identity is female um, or their gender identity is non-binary. So our gender identity does not often, or in all cases, align with the sex that we've been assigned at birth. And then finally, gender expression. Gender expression is how we express our own gender identity. It's usually through our behavior or clothing or haircut, or in some cases, even the voice. Um, It may not, it may or may not, I should say, conform to socially defined behaviors or characteristics that are typically associated with either masculine or feminine. So I could express my gender by cutting my hair in a certain way or altering my voice or uh, changing my behavior. And my behavior may not reflect the traditional concepts of being masculine. And that is the expression of my gender. And that's what we call gender expression. So again, three different and distinct concepts, sexual orientation, gender identity, and gender expression. Yeah, no, thank you very much. Um, So it's Pride Month. Obviously, we want to acknowledge the history, you know, and the the pioneers who, you know, protested on our behalf, you know, and and paved the way. Um, But why is this so important in the business community? Alfonso, I'd love your thoughts on that. Pride is so incredibly important to the business community because we are part of every community. So when I think about when I was in the private sector and I thought about which companies or law firms I wanted to work for, one of the key points was whether or not I could be myself. And when I graduated from law school in 2000, I was the only black man in my litigation department and I was not out. Why? Because I was concerned about the implications for me as a litigation associate. Would I get additional assignments? Would I have promotional opportunities? Could I lose my job? Now, this is in 2001, and that was real because in Philadelphia or Pennsylvania, where I worked, they didn't have and still don't have a state law that prohibits discrimination based on sexual orientation or gender identity. So if businesses really care about succeeding and making sure that that success is sustainable, They have to invest in their workforce. If I go into the office and I'm not fully myself and I cannot be fully realized, I will not thrive. I will not succeed. You will not be able to tap into the full 
just the, the promise of me as an employee. So business leaders should appreciate that when they open the doors and they say we actually embrace diversity and inclusion, diversity and inclusion means looking at your employees, accepting them for who they are, and creating a space for them to actually thrive. Yeah, I've, I've, um, I'll reference, there's a scientific study. Uh, it was done to demonstrate that when under stress or duress, it significantly reduces your productivity. When you can't be yourself, right, and you're covering who you are, you are under stress and duress. It's a 40% productivity rate. So to your very point, those stats alone. Nicola, welcome. Uh, what, what are your so. thoughts on this? Why, why, why should Pride Month be a priority, not even just Pride Month, but supporting this incredible community every day of the year? Well, I think it's really funny, Alfonso, from um, just some of the examples that you provided. I had a, a personal experience, actually, with a, one of my, a, my previous partner, actually, who worked for a state agency. And um, unfortunately, when we started to look at uh, the medical insurance and coverage for a significant others, spouses, partners, if I had actually required medical coverage, I was not eligible to be recognized yeah. as the significant other, the partner, spousal equivalent. Um, shocking in this day and age, right? That, and it really was shocking to me that that was um, the position that I could have been placed in if I myself wasn't able through my own right. firm to be yeah. covered for basic medical coverage. Um, so I think as you referenced, Alfonso, your own experience, uh, you know, with being out, being open, what you're covered for and not covered for and the word covering, right, um, it, it can be shocking at times. It really can. I mean, we actually, I think, Sarah, we've talked about this several times ourselves mm -hmm. about uh, being able to be your genuine self, bring your genuine self to work. Yeah. If you look at the interaction of teams and how well people work when they can be their genuine selves. And I think the word that I would probably use is the potential that an individual can bring to the workplace and to the environment. If you can't be yourself, that potential evaporates. Yeah. And if we look at where we're currently sitting with, I'd say beyond the millennial age where as it should be, that generation and those after them don't really care as much what no. your sexual orientation is, what your gender identity is, what your gender expression is. In fact, I think that Generation Plus love the expression piece of it much more. That's why, by the way, that you know, for Pride Month and for LGBTQ+, Plus, we have the best flag, right? So we have the rim, we have all the colors. Right? That's what it's about. And being able to be colorful and be yourself is, um, is I think, the, one of the most, most important um, things that we should be aspiring to. And really, it should just be the norm. Um, yeah. But in the workplace, yeah. if you also look at how diverse the teams are these days, if you can't bring that mix of um, the ability to bring that mix together well, you're not going to get the best out of those teams and your companies, your organizations, your envi work environments are not going to grow 
at the speed they could grow. Yeah. So I think there's a, 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 a business opportunity here, continued business, op- business opportunity, um, to make sure that um, the organizations that we work within for um, get to the best of their tip-top opportunities of, of being the best in the professions and, and having the individual being able to bring themselves and bring that to the, to the companies they work for. And, and just to acknowledge love is love. Love right? is love. No matter. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Now, thank you. Ash, love to hear from you. Um, now, I think most of the personal point of view and where the individual fits into the workplace, Alfonso and Nicola have captured that beautifully. Um, so I'm going to put my marketer hat on for a second and say it's just good, good business. Yeah. Part of why we need to be or businesses need to be more active in their support of LGBTQ um, folks as a community and be welcoming places, not just to work at, but also to shop at, eat at, drink at, you know, buy from is because that's where a lot of the business is. It's just good business practice to be inclusive. And I think oftentimes, um, as you hit leadership levels, there is there can be mixed reactions and fear of backlash. And mm-hmm. do I want to represent LGBTQ community? Do I want to? We've had this conversation with our own suppliers um, in in my career a few times on whether they want to be openly certified as LGBTQ businesses. And I think all those are considerations. But really, yeah. what you are saying is a business when you come out in support of a community, in this case of the LGBTQ community, is we understand your needs and we are here to support your needs. And I, sorry. Oh, no, please. No, please, go ahead. You had another thought there. (laughs) Oh, I did. Um, It was mostly that there is the representative piece of supporting, which is, you know, representing the flag. I for one, love when when people change their logos or when companies change their logos, but um, there is more to it than just that, right? There is yeah. the internal policy piece. There is your how you're treating your consumers piece and where you're putting your business dollars piece too. Absolutely. Yeah. It's not just advocacy, it's action, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, Alfonso, have you ever heard of the pink pound? Yes, I have. Right. So I didn't know if we had a pink dollar. But you, as you can probably tell, I'm originally from, well, maybe you can't, but I'm originally from the UK. But the disposable income, to, to Ash's point, to be serious about it, the disposable income from um, the LGBTQ plus community, there's a lot of money there, right, as well. So from a business perspective, to Ash's point, it makes a lot of sense. And I, I joke and say the pink pan. I actually love the phrase, the pink pan. I think it's fantastic. I do too. But, um, <laughs> um but um, when I was in the UK many years ago, this became a lot of businesses started to angle at, you know, what the community w- was looking for in services and, and other areas, um, product services. Mm-hmm. And um, it, is, it makes perfect business sense to be operating at an equal level. No, absolutely. And, and it's, it's not only catering to consumers is making sure that the values that you have identified are also living and alive and real and tangible for your employees. If you're catering to LGBTQ people as consumers, but you're not actually reflecting those values internally, Mm -hmm. then that creates 
yep. a problem and a schism for many companies. We we partner with a group called In Her Sight, an incredible group. Check them out. And they just did a survey in honor of this month. And, and to your very point, Alfonso, they said, 83% of the respondents said, I am unlikely to either apply for a job or work for a company that does not demonstrate a strategic and structured approach to supporting my community, LGBT. Can you talk to us, Alfonso, about your um, CEI, the index sure. that you provide, which is an incredible tool for many organizations? Sure. So the Corporate Equality Index, we commonly refer to it as the CEI, is really the nation's foremost benchmarking survey and report. And what it does is it measures the company's policies and practices relating to LGBTQ workplace and quality. It has successfully worked uh, with top corporations, law firms, uh, helping them break new ground every single year in workplace equality. So it includes, uh, you know, Fortune Magazine's 500 largest publicly traded businesses. It includes American Lawyers Magazine, top 200 revenue grossing law firms, and hundreds and hundreds of private and publicly held uh, companies. Uh, we now have more than a thousand businesses that participate in the Corporate Equality Index, and we've been doing this now for almost 20 years. Mm -hmm. um, now, this the CEI establishes. Um, whether or not, or at least tests and evaluates whether you have LGBTQ inclusive workplace policies and practices. And the goal is to ensure that every employee is protected and their yeah. benefits are treated equally. Now, that is the goal of the CEI. However, uh, the workplace equality program has made very clear that the values of inclusion don't really end with whether you have inclusive benefit packages or whether right. you have a, a non-discrimination policy. That's merely the starting point. And that's what we communicate to many businesses. We are looking at four pillars. We're looking at whether you have non-discrimination policies across all of your business entities, not only at your flagship office in New York or California. Mm -hmm. We're looking to see whether or not you have equitable benefits for LGBTQ workers and their families. We're looking to see whether you have a supportive and inclusive work culture. And finally, we're looking to make sure that the phrase or the, the tagline corporate social responsibility actually means something. Yeah. And, and that is what the CEI does. We're working every single year to refine it and make sure that it is testing really all of the, the, the factors or pulling all of the various levers that we need to pull in order to really determine that workplaces are inclusive. So as we were preparing, um, Nicola, you, you'd shared a framework with us, and I thought it was so appropriate because this, the sad reality is, um, and I think about it now as I just think about the name of your organization, Alfonso, Human Rights Campaign. Like it, it's, had to, it's had to be positioned as there is your legal right to have this equal access and opportunity, right? And, and, and let's hope that we're making progress every single day to shift it more to a natural business concept. Like, of course, in order for us to be successful, everybody should have equal access and opportunity. But, um, but Nicola, you had shared a framework of gender, color and creed, and then sexual orientation. Share yeah. with everybody what you meant by that, because I think it, it, it reinforces that, unfortunately, it has not historically been a priority. Yeah, and I, I just wanted to say, um, you know, 
from the HRC angle, you know, from a Deloitte relationship with HRC, we've had a great partnership for many, many years. And um, the corporate equality index, we've been leveraging for many, many years. And I'll be proud to say that we've, you know, been the, at the top of the pile on the Indeed. CDI for many years. So, um, you know, hopefully that's a representation, Alfonso, that we are making moves in the right places. Um, and I can attest to that on a personal basis as well. Um, that aside, to, to Sarah's um, question, what concerns has concerned me um, and continues to do to some degree is this, this the pendulum swings, right? Depending on what's historically or socially or what's the need at the time between like we had Me Too, right? three, five years ago with a lot of focus on, you know, women and the, 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 you know, raising the focus of the the gender aspect. Most unfortunate have been the tragic events of the last 12 to 18 months in the black community, right? And we've seen a a shift towards focus, heavy focus, media specifically um, on supporting as we should movement in the right direction, positive movement for the black community and, and, and social justice for racial equality. So then we get to LGBTQI plus, right? And it's it's almost as if the student body left, student body right, and we have gender, we have um, creed and, and race, color creed race. And then we seem to sometimes end up as the third in the pecking order. And then everybody else underneath that, whether it be disabled, age, yeah. vets, etc. So it, you know, we've had reform, we've had revolution at times through what we're trying to achieve. You think of like the Stonewall riots, you think of the uh, mm-hmm. more recent marriage legislation going one way, going another way. Um, it's 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 difficult to keep focus, but for me anyway, some uh, on making sure we're making the right progress on an even balance because I think in a generalist term, people change their focus so much that they move around and we get to being like third string. Yeah. And it's it's concerning so that we can continue, I think Alfonso and Ash and the environments we're in and, and, and how we live to make the right progress, right, at the right level, at the right times without having to um, shift our focus so much from one area to another that might not give us the momentum um, that we want to keep keep up um sometimes it's for the right sometimes it's not for the right and what what worries me as well is what's going on silently behind the scenes when we don't have the focus right. um and more of the political sphere unfortunately um i'd be curious actually alfonso of your opinion on on that on that observation and what you think we could be doing if anything better and to, to, you know, to make sure we keep the focus more balanced and we're not third string? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. And, you know, I didn't say this, but I'll say it now. Both Deloitte and Nestle are really great partners with the human rights campaign. You have, I think, 100 on the CEI and you've had that score for quite some time. As we think about creating spaces that are really inclusive for all of our communities, I think what we often do is create a hierarchy of identity. 
And so being black is more important than being a woman. Being a woman is more important than being LGBTQ. And we force employees to determine which identity is most important. And sometimes companies are sending mixed messages. I think what would be incredibly useful is as we think about really creating a framework and a platform for diversity and inclusion that actually applies equally to everyone, we treat everyone equally because as a black man, as a gay man, as an immigrant, I wanna make sure that those identities are not treated differently by my employer. And in some instances, after you know the legitimate racial protests that we had last year, you had some companies that were wrestling with, oh, well, racial justice is now really critically important, but all of the other issues are not. And yet people of Muslim faiths were still being thrown out of the country. So I yeah. think we have to really make sure that we're not creating a false paradigm that further subjugates um, the racial minorities, women, LGBTQ people who are trying to amplify and elevate. Yeah, there it, it, it intersectionality, right? Like there are multiple dimensions to who we are and all of those need to be recognized. You know, all of those need to be understood, appreciated and leveraged clearly. Clearly. Ash, do you have do you have anything quick to add to this? No, I couldn't say it better. I think it's intersectionality. That's where it's at. Um, it's we, we don't pick and choose what version of us shows up, but we do pick and choose what version of us is being on this put on display. So I think if we can one of my favorite um, analogies is all boats rise with the rising tide. Right. Mm -hmm. It's why mm -hmm. why choose between, oh, I can only support X group or Y group. Why not consider and reframe the paradigm of thinking to if we progress, we all progress. Absolutely. So we're going to take a quick commercial break. Um, please don't leave us because as you've already heard, this is an incredible group of leaders and we're going to shift in our next half towards Okay, well, what do we do then as leaders? What do we do as organizations? I want to thank everybody that's been listening so far to our Advancing All Women radio show. You can always check us out at newonline.org for more information on new and all of our podcasts. So stay tuned. We'll be back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Network of Executive Women is a nonprofit dedicated to advancing all women and transforming our workplaces through the power of community. We are a growing community of more than 13,500 professional women and men, representing nearly 900 organizations across North America. We are a strong, collective voice for everyone in the corporate world who wants to see gender equality become a reality, and we welcome all who champion our cause. Members of NEW gain access to a broad network of like-minded professionals dedicated to women's equity and leadership development. Corporate organizations also gain access to DEI solutions, which fosters a more inclusive and productive work culture. Plus, members can engage across NEW's 22 regional communities and attend two annual national conferences, which bring together the strongest minds in DEI and leadership. Join Network of Executive Women today. Visit newonline.org slash membership to learn more about becoming a member of NEW. That's newonline.org slash membership.
Our thoughts and feelings not only affect our own lives, but the lives of everyone around us. Find new meanings of love, authentic expressions, and better connections with the people in your life. Tune in to Love Light with Dr. Jean Marie Farish. This program will feature guests and discuss ideas that will bring a better life to you. When you find this perspective on love, it will change everything. Listen live every Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. There are lots of unanswered questions about life's problems, and this is especially true about spiritual life. Why can't we see God? Why is there evil in this world? Why does God let bad things happen to us and to others? Can we get divine help? Join Carl Mollison and co-host Brian Kelly for Get Wisdom. They have new answers from the Almighty you need to hear. And listening could definitely change your life. Tune in every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Advancing All Women with host Sarah Alter. Want to learn more about the show and about Network of Executive Women? Visit our website today at newonline.org. That's N-E-W online.org. Now, back to Advancing All Women. Well, welcome back, everybody. You are listening to Sarah Alter in the Advancing All Women radio show. I'm joined today by Alfonso David, President of the Human Rights Campaign, Nicola Johnson, Principal Global Lead Client Service Partner at Deloitte, and Ash Ganapatharaju, Brand Manager, Nestle Coffee Partners, Emerging Brands. And our topic at hand, how can leaders and organizations do a better job supporting and advancing their team members in the LGBTQIA plus community. So great discussion. This first you know, half of our show, we, we truly framed the reason why every business should be incorporating this in the foundational element of their culture and, and just in their strategy. And now let's shift to, okay, well, what do you do? So I want to make sure our audience leaves knowing, okay, these are the three to five things I've got to do today. Um, but before we get there quickly, um, I know we, we talked a little bit about it, we alluded to it, but it's that concept of covering that, and, and you know, Alfonso, you even shared it, you know, in your own personal career early on, I couldn't, I couldn't share all aspects of who I was, you know, my identity, and there's that concept of covering, but um, there is a, a phenomenal group within your community, those who are trans. And that is necessarily transparently shown, correct? But Ash, speak to us about how that is. And, you know, it's a very delicate situation, both for the individual and for the company. How do you best navigate that so that they feel respected and appreciated and welcomed? Yeah. um, 
I think when we think about LGBTQ as an identity or LGBTQI mm-hmm. as the umbrella of identities, it's not unlike some more obvious markers, you know, race, ethnicity, immigration status, accents, things that we wear on our sleeve more obviously. Being LGBTQ is not something we, the community necessarily parades around. Like you can't tell by looking at someone what their sexual orientation, gender identity, or gender expression mm-hmm. may be. We don't necessarily know how they prefer to identify, which goes back to um, what we've talked about before, Sarah, which is when one of one of the things we can do, and I'm getting ahead of myself here a little bit, is one of the things we've started doing at Nestle is introducing ourselves with our pronouns to say, hey, I'm as my pronouns are she, her. Um, and it is because you can't, they, <laughs> it's not tattooed on your forehead as as, as Nicola has said before. Sorry, Nicola, totally stealing your phrase there. Um, it's hard to It's hard to say, oh, this is how I'm going to accommodate this person's diversity. And it's hard to say this. And I think we, even within that whole umbrella group, we know that the L, the G, to some extent the B, have um, have spaces where they can move in the workplace that are more uh, comfortable, more conducive to their existence, more um, accepting and more, and have, we have more allies in the workplace that are more readily um, supportive of LGB identities. I think with trans, queer, intersex, non-binary identities, it's there are so many barriers to thinking about how do you support without outing someone? How do you support without making someone uncomfortable? Because this is, it, it is a newer, and sometimes the chasm between where you are and where support can come from can be can be a lot so to even educate allies to bring them on board is a huge um ask right now Alfonso I'm curious to to how the HRC and you would be thinking about trans in the workplace specifically yeah for me it all starts with values um whether or not companies have taken the time to define their values And if corporations define their values, that's step one. Step two is incorporating that values and indoctrinating those values into your systems so that trans women, trans men, non-binary people who come into the workplace can see those values reflected when they fill out the job application. We've seen instances where Black employees, trans employees, LGBTQ employees generally will say, I'm not comfortable raising a concern. They're not comfortable raising a concern because they haven't seen the example. And they know that there's stigma, there's stereotypes, there's binary structures that corporations have operated in for a very long time. So the best companies, and we have two of them on this call, um, Mm -hmm. who are sort of thinking about how do you sort of deconstruct existing systems so that you create a platform for employees to actually excel that really is the key. Because if, if I walk into a space, I'm a new employee, and I face you know discrimination, or I face a microaggression, or whatever it is, I may be reticent to actually raise a concern because of the collateral consequences that we know yeah. many marginalized communities have faced. So I think the key 
for any company is to say, here are our values, be very transparent about what those values are, and then indoctrinate those values into your system and make them transparent. So one company I, I spoke to very recently said, you know, what we're doing is we're making sure that there is an LGBTQ person within our HR system. So whenever there's a complaint, we want to make sure it goes through that lens as well. Now, we have to be careful that we don't run into tokenism here where you need to have a black person and a brown person and a woman right. and an LGBTQ person. But there are so many different ways to approach making sure your values are actually indoctrinated into your systems. And that was their approach. Yeah. It, it, and, and no, I love that you went there too, Ash and Alfonso. There are 78 pronouns out there. <laughs> and, and, and it, yeah. And, 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 and it can get complex. <laughs> However, it's all about education. And I think it's about what you said, Alfonso, the, the creating the values and that safe space and, I've had a number of male execs say to me, well, why do I need to put my pronouns out there? Well, by doing that, you are signaling, right? It's mutual respect. It's basic courtesy. It sets the stage that this is a safe place and you can share the full aspects of who you are and what makes you so incredible and the strengths you know, that you bring to the table. Um, I imagine, Alfonso, hrc.org, correct? Yes. Your your website is just an incredible library of resources. And so for anybody listening saying, hey, I want to learn more about the CEI, the index that you referenced earlier, or I want to know more about the 78 pronouns and how I incorporate them into my culture, please check out hrc.org. Um, uh, you know, let's talk about... Uh, you know, it's as much about, you know, hey, I, I, I need to control the situation and the timing and how I share, you know, that I am a member of this community. Um, but as I also referenced earlier, it's all about getting educated, right? Mm -hmm. I have to imagine, as we've seen with other diverse communities, we hear about Black fatigue, what is the element of fatigue that is felt in the LGBTQIA plus community? And, and, and as we were preparing for this show, I, I think one of you had said, hey, it depends on the generation, uh, because some generations <laughs> may be more comfortable than others. But um, I think, Nicole, I think it might have been you um, that had shared that. I'd love to have you share that with the audience. I think like we were talking earlier as well was if you really look at millennials and millennial plus right um there's a there's a just a distinct shift in the the viewpoint mm -hmm. uh, the acceptance the approachability it just it's it's not a problem <laughs> it doesn't matter um as in whether you are a gay whether you're a lesbian whether you're trans it, it's it's a much in in it's much more widely accepted Right at the, that younger generation point, not, not an entirety either, obviously, but just more generally. So I think, and if you think about the amount of obviously millennials um, and the younger generation that are now coming into the workforce, right? So there's yeah. a there's a a shift in mentality as you shift the numbers, the volume shifts shifts the the opinions and the focus, which is which is good. But I think that for leaders at the top, the like the older generations, there's a fear there, right, of the almost the unknown. Oh my goodness, 
I, I don't understand this. There's the fear of mm-hmm. I don't understand. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the younger generations can ha- have and can continue to help um, some of our leaders who are of an older generation just from a almost a transparency of there's nothing to be scared of. We're right. still human. We still breathe the same air. We still eat sometimes the same foods. We still drink the same, you know, water and quite often more alcohol, but never mind. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> there's, 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 um, there's, we're, we're, all, we're all walking, talking, yeah. for those of us who have the ability to do so. Um, there's nothing to be afraid of. So one thing I think from an education that I've learned that is always um, interesting is to ask um, someone who's scared, ask them, right, let me just give you a scenario and let me play this through with me, right? And you, as long as you're comfortable with that individual and that they feel comfortable with you, and here's one, because I actually experienced this a lot because I didn't um, fully kind of understand my sexual orientation until my latter years and didn't come out in a professional setting till my, you know, mid thirties, actually, which mm-hmm. is, you know, this is, this is pretty old. Um, and what I used to do with um, my colleagues and with my clients being in a client environment, which is, is a, in a consulting type of environment, slightly different because I have many different um, people that I'm working with from different backgrounds um, and don't all work at the same organization that I work with. And four. So I used to use, play the, what I call play the pronoun game when people would say, oh, so uh, what did you do this weekend? Right. And where did you go? Who were you with? What were you doing? So I used to swerve around with the they, them, as opposed to she, he. Right. And if you actually turn that around and say it to I've done this with some of my leader colleagues. Like, tell me about your weekend, but don't use, don't say your wife, don't say your husband, don't say she, he. Right. And it's, it's really difficult to do it. And until they, you put somebody, I think, in a spot, not in a threatening way, just in an educational way, and allow them to experience a little bit of what, what it's like, Sometimes it takes even those subtle examples for the penny to drop. And yeah. once the penny drops and you, 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 the realization's there, I don't need to be scared. And I also don't need to make this difficult for people that feel that they have to cover or hide or not Absolutely. be themselves, right? To me, the take them on the journey education is the way to, is the way to do it. And, and, to, and to show them, you don't need to be scared. So, so clearly one best practice would be to provide an ERG or a BRG at work, a community, right? Yeah. Having a community it, is definitely it, a, 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 a strong signal and a way to go and, and generating the ability to, to grow allies within organizations is, is also a wonderful um, positive um, direction as well. Ash, your thoughts on that? It's also a way to manage fatigue, right? Because if you, if the burden is on one person to, to 
constantly educate or on one person to constantly be the person thinking about oh can i say he him her she her about my own partner can i um have pictures of my family out on my desk without being um question gawked at all things that have happened by the way um i think as long as you can create a supportive community of allies and you can create a uh community and that's what ERGs BRGs provide they they are a way for a community to foster uh, an inclusive environment and represent and advocate for employees in 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 a certain demographic or identity for me it's a it, it's i think fatigue is also repetitive comes from repetitive action without seeing progress but when you right. have when you have that volume of um when you have an ask that's coming from a bundle of people versus just one person i think it it goes a long way to making an impact sometimes with leaders it just requires repetition and having multiple voices say it in different different ways is and creating those spaces for allyship i i think those are the two big things that i've seen as successful in my career um i mean i'll use a personal example i've been in work situations where um I've been the only out immigrant employee and I've had I've said oh my wife and I and have been corrected to say oh no you mean husband <gasps> I need to go no no <laughs> I know my english I don't <laughs> I do like, we have no. Um, <laughs> it's a bit provocative too, right? And I think sometimes this is where language and pronouns can be useful. I think it, it this is analogous to the they game that you were talking about Nicola. Sometimes for me throwing down the gauntlet and saying my wife is is a culling mechanism to see how will yeah. you react less so now that I'm older much more when I was younger to say how are you going to react to this and are you an ally or not and i think different people in the community have different mechanisms of sussing that out and having an erg brg to say hey i need support in x i know where to go within my organization is a great way for um employee resource groups and business resource groups to function alfonso um guidance on best practices for a pride community in an organization what are some of your thoughts on that too how do you oh, make it a a a productive and useful <laughs> community <laughs> no i was just really enjoying that exchange between nicola and ash um you know let me just briefly talk about pronouns cuz i think it's so important nicola's example is something that i use all the time um if you have a, a straight man who says you know cuz sometimes most of these come uh, concerns may come from members of the non lgbtq members of our community um i will often say your name is jack or paul or peter what if i called you another name how would you feel and it it forces them to sort of rethink why pronouns are important because nothing is more personal than the way in which someone refers to themselves through their name and their pronouns and using someone's chosen name and desired pronouns is really a form of mutual respect and basic courtesy so as as you think about for corporations and leaders how do i actually take that value and implement that value and indoctrinate that value into the workspace there's so many different ways to do it you can have name badges you can have in person meetings you can have business cards where you use those tools as a way to educate 
the rest of the workforce on why pronouns are important, why the proper names are important, because the experience of being misgendered can be hurtful and distracting and extremely alienating. And even the experience of just accidentally misgendering someone can be embarrassing. It creates tension. It leads to communication breakdowns, not only within teams, but across customers. So if you're talking about uh, employees that are outward facing, meaning that they're engaging with your consumers and you are not actually respecting that employee, it's going to affect the bottom line. So as I think about best practices, I would say two things um, or three. One is just using your business structure to constantly think about creative ways to educate your workforce. Second, I would say uh, shifting from the concept and the philosophy of being an ally to an advocate. What I mean by that is uh, within the ERG structure, as an example, we have people that are not necessarily... Uh, identified with a specific ERG that they participate in, but they may say, I want to join this ERG, which is great. We should, we should encourage that. But being mm -hmm. an ally doesn't often or always require action. And so thinking about shifting from an, advocate, from an ally to an advocate is the difference, where the non-LGBTQ person is the person raising their hand and saying, this is a problem we should actually do some training on this issue. We should think about more diversity in X department. It means a lot more and it carries more weight, unfortunately, because that person's opinion is not going to be seen as self-serving. And then finally, I would say creating a culture where people are encouraged to see beyond themselves. You know, I wrote a speech about two years ago about how we should be seeing beyond ourselves because that is the only way that we can actually achieve equality. And if we can take that concept and actually apply it within the business context of how people can see beyond themselves, imagine what that can mean for business productivity. Absolutely. Ash and Nicola, fire round. One best practice from each of you. We've got just a couple of minutes left. Thank you, Alfonso. How can we follow Alfonso? That's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> I know he does set a high bar. <laughs> uh, I tell you, I tell you the one, the one I say is as as a as a leader in business. Um, I I I just uh, we said it earlier as well. Just leading from the top, but but in doing so, being genuine in yourself, being approachable, and being real, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, because if you're not, you won't be able to get people to open up and tell you what's bothering them, right? And therefore, you're not able to get to the heart of helping them. Um, and so I think leading from the top um, and being approachable and real is a very big part of making our situation positive and just getting us to the right place. Yeah, it, it, what you and Alfonso have just said, it so speaks to me. It's being a servant leader. Exactly. Right? Um, Ash, wrap us up. <laughs> <laughs> so my bar just kept rising, so thank you. <laughs> no, you will move mountains with this next comment. I know you will. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Sarah, um, I will say, I, I want to 
first acknowledge that importance of, of leadership. I think creating the, the culture of where allies can speak up and yeah. having leaders that are willing to be servant leaders. I can tell you from personal experience, it has made all the difference in my career to know that there is a leader that is willing to listen and learn and is interested in listening and learning. I think those, those are incredibly important things. When we have that environment created, I think the third thing I would add there is putting your money where your mouth is. Because as a, as a business owner, as a brand owner, I can be aware of my own biases. So there is an aspect of self-education here to say, hey, I can decide whether my slate um, of talent that I'm looking at is diverse enough, whether the whether I am taking into consideration the different needs of the LGBTQ community in the products that I put out in the world. And I think that that is only possible, though, when you have good allies and good leaders. Absolutely. Somebody said to me once, real CEOs cry. So I'm going to admit here, I am tearing <laughs> up because I have been totally moved by this discussion today. And um, I just, I can't thank all three of you enough. You know, thank you for coming and sharing your voices and your hearts and providing this, this insight and guidance, you know, to everybody who's been listening today and everybody who's going to listen to us thereafter with our podcast. But I am honored to have had you join me today. So thank you. And I also want to thank everybody who's been listening. Um, I hope you've been as inspired as I have. I want to thank Voice of Voice America. Um, you have given me and new this opportunity to every week share our voice and our story and our mission with all of you. Join us next week. We're going to discuss the pivotal role of female allies in the workplace, women helping women. So important. To learn more about New and to listen to all of our podcasts, check us out at newonline.org. And again, to tap into incredible content and curriculum and solutions and tools from HRC, hrc.org. I'm Sarah Alter, and thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to Advancing All Women with host Sarah Alter. Be sure to tune in again next week. Our program is live every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment or catch our replays weekly on Voice America Influencers. Until we talk again, enjoy your week.